Who am I? Dad. Yeah, my daddy. Who's that? Mama. Mama. And who are you? Maya. <laughs> That's your favorite word? Maya. 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 That's my daughter, Maya. Maya. Can you say hello? Hello. <laughs> she just turned 20 months old, which for people who resent this weird month-by-month -month age scheme that parents use, I'll just say she's a little past a year and a half old. And I remember when she was born, she was, uh, I mean, she was cute and we loved her. <laughs> But she mostly just sat there and whined, honestly. But then eventually, like, you could see it. Her eyes just opened up to the world. She was taking it all in. And then she started to crawl, then to walk, then saying a few sounds that we desperately convinced ourselves meant something. And now, well, now this kid's running around and figuring things out faster than I ever expected. And that includes words. What are some of your favorite words? Um, um... Bacon. Bacon. <laughs> You've never said bacon before. What One of her first words popped up when we'd go for walks in the neighborhood. And she'd see someone walking their dog and say... Dog. She was fond of saying ball. Ball. And plenty of other things that we still don't quite understand. Right. I got her with my microphone here to show her some animals on the computer. What does a dog say? <laughs> That's woof woof. <laughs> I also showed her a lion. What's that? <laughs> Is that what lions say? And we looked at some elephants. That's an elephant. <laughs> She's walking around this whole house this fall shouting pumpkin or pumpkin at everyone that she sees. And she's asking for her favorite foods, which includes cheese and cereal <laughs> yeah. and shouting no to our cat. And okay, like. Like, okay, I know I'm doing this dad thing <laughs> where I'm making a lot out of some pretty rudimentary words. And like, I get it. We agree. My daughter's a genius, obviously. But I, I don't know. Maybe still you're not impressed. But I think you should be. Not, not just at my kid, but at the fact that any of us can do this at all. Our mouths make these weird little sounds that we string together to construct meaning. Like ideas in my head can end up in your head because we both have language. Eventually, Maya's going to be able to tell stories, give concrete commands, and manipulate my wife and I to do her bidding. Just because her brain has been picking up these sounds and how we use them. Understanding how this all works is a monumental task, but philosophers, linguists, psychologists, they've been chipping away at it for ages. So what do we know about what we do with words? And whether other people have any idea what it is we're talking about? You're listening to Opinion Science, the show about our opinions, where they come from, and how they change. I'm Andy Luttrell, and this week I'm excited to share my conversation with Tom Holtgraves. This one's unique because Tom's office is just a few doors down from mine at Ball State University, and he's been a great friend and colleague since I started working there in 2017. Also, I think this is the first in-person conversation to air on the podcast, which is pretty cool. There are a few more coming, but after a couple years of remote interviews... It was fun to actually be in the same room as the person I was talking to. Anyhow, Tom studies the social psychology of language, how we use words in a social context. He edited the Oxford Handbook of Language and Social Psychology, and his book, Language as Social Action, came out in 2002. He's interested in how we use words to convey meaning and what has to happen for other people to pick up on what we intend to communicate especially when we're prone to making some points pretty indirectly. You know what I mean? We talked last spring about some of the major themes of his work, including speech act theory, which I thought was an interesting way to think about what we do with language. So let's get into it. For as long as I've known you and have had a loose sense of what your research is, yeah. It's actually not until the last few days that I've really been oh, okay. like, okay, what does it actually look like? Um, and so I do have questions just like for myself about, Great. about Great. what you're doing. Um, and, and, and maybe just to get into it, yeah. I don't think I know the Tom Holtgrave's origin story as well as I'd like to, okay. which is like, why language? Why, why, why is it 
interesting to you yeah. <laughs> to figure out how people use language to talk to each other. So it's a result of several things. So um, as an undergraduate, I had, for social psychology, I had Roger Brown's textbook. I don't know if you're familiar. Mm -mm. This is a classic book. This is, uh, I think it was, it's 1965, 1966. And Roger Brown's is this wonderful writer. And it's unlike current social psych intro books, but so he had a chapter, chapter on dissonance, chapter on language. And he, he writes so well, brilliantly. He, he, and he writes, it's like reading a New Yorker article, mm. right? So mm. you, you, <laughs> sorry. So that kind of got me hooked on social, but also on language too, mm. because, uh, be, because that, you know, he was, he was uh, one of the, uh, you know, he's, uh, he mentored Steven Pinker. So language development, language acquisition, oh, he was huge, but he also had an interest in social psychology of language, did stuff on politeness, did stuff on address form. Anyway, so there was that. And then as a graduate student, I was sort of floundering. <laughs> so you and, didn't go to grad school wanting to do. No, I went, I went to graduate school wanting to study gambling. Oh yeah. Risk-taking. Is that what brought you to Reno? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, and, and so that was, and I did that stuff and, and I continued to dabble in that. I, you know, I'll publish some stuff on that, but then, but it wasn't panning out. Uh, and then I started working with, uh, Deborah Davis, uh, Ohio state mm. grad, Ohio state postdoc. And she was doing this. She had, she was studying this phenomenon that she developed. Who was it with? Um, well, Tom Ostrom, but that wasn't the main person. Anyway, the phenomenon was responsiveness, right? And so they had they so they they had these lab studies where they would people would actually pleasure one another, and they were looking at you know how quickly they would do this and all these sorts of things. Anyway, so that's that's the concept, and, it, and it's a, so she started applying it to conversations. So when, when you're having a conversation with somebody, you know, do, do, are, you, are you in sync? Are you, right? And you know the feeling, right? Mm -hmm. That sometimes somebody's just saying random stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so, so I started working with her on, on that. And we started doing these studies where we were looking at responsiveness in terms of uh, responding to interview questions. So we came up with this method of, of manipulating the background questions, keeping the, the, the answers the same, but manipulating the, uh, the questions that preceded them and look, looked at the implications of violating responsiveness or later what other people refer to as relevance on you know, perceptions of the person, perceptions of what they're saying, uh, anyway, in working on that, uh, I got into the pragmatics literature. And so there's this, there's this theory of, of relevance, uh, Sperber and Wilson, this is mm. cognitive science, right? I mean, you, you maybe you've heard of it, but so this was actually before Sperber and Wilson. So Grice was, was the big one. Sorry. So one of his conversational maxims is, is relevant. So I started reading that stuff and then that got me in to speech act theory. And so then I went down this rabbit hole of, of philosophy of language um, and uh, really, really pragmatics is what it is, right? I mean, so I'm, I'm a social psychologist, but really what I am is an experimental prag, somebody who studies pragmatic phenomenon experimentally. So, but what is that? I think I don't know what that means. Pragmatics? Pragmatics. Okay. So context. if you look at language as uh, so if you, if you, if you arbitrarily divide up language, there, there is, there is, there's semantics. So roughly the meaning of, mm -hmm. of words, right? There is syntax, right? So the, 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 the rules, uh, for combining those items into something meaningful and, but that's not enough, mm -hmm. right? Because when we communicate with, with one another, we're obviously communicating a lot more than you get from just looking at semantics and mm. And, and syntax. So pragmatics for me, and, and many pragmatic theorists would, would disagree with this, but for me, pragmatics is everything beyond <laughs> syntax and semantics. Mm -hmm. The question is, of course, how they, how they interact, right? So when, you, when you're actually engaged, when you're actually processing communications, when you're processing language, uh, and this, there, there, there's what's called the semantics pragmatics war, because, mm. right? Because at, at what, I mean, so sort of the one idea is that, is that you, is you comprehend um, sort of a literal meaning, and then you take context into account and you go, 
but that's not the way it really works, mm-hmm. right? So if you're looking at mm-hmm. online processing, uh, I mean, and using like, for example, EEG techniques, if you have, um, uh, so m- let's say you manipulate the status of a speaker. So it's a high, high power, or let's say a low powered speaker. And they say some, they, they're, they're saying something very impolite, right? That they're, they shouldn't be doing. Uh, listeners pick up on that almost immediately. And, and so there's it, pragmatic stuff comes in really, really, really fast. Um, so anyway, what is pragmatics? Pragmatics is, uh, for me, it's everything beyond semantics uh, and, and syntax. But it, it's, it's mostly, it's about meaning. It's, it's what people are. Uh, but not and, semantic meaning. <laughs> no, not semantic. Because that's, I mean, obviously semantics plays as a large, large mm-hmm. part of it. But it's not, it doesn't get us very far, mm-hmm. right? In terms of what we're actually doing when we're using language to communicate. Mm-hmm. Is it sort of like the, like if you, if you think of the phenomenon of a backhanded compliment. Yep. Where like, what I'm saying right. is complimentary. Yes. However. Right. <laughs> That may not be what I mean, <laughs> or you yeah, may not there, think that's what I mean, and it, you go, "Hey, I know you're saying this, but I." But think what you what really you're saying, mean is, yeah, right. no, I don't. And you should get deniability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. There's layers of meaning, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and many, many, you know, uh, so backhanded compliments, humble bragging, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's there's layer upon layer, and it gets, you know, <laughs> it can get really complex. But yeah, those are the sorts of things that fall within the domain of of, of pragmatics. Gotcha. Yeah. And so the the notion of speech acts, yep. that's the thing. What I think, what does Tom study? I think speech acts. Right. <laughs> that's what comes to mind. And it wasn't until recently that I really, I think, appreciated what yeah. those are. Yeah. Uh, but I might have it wrong. So tell me, <laughs> what, what is the notion of a speech act? So so speech act, this comes out, this comes out of philosophy, uh, the natural language uh, philosophy. So you can take this. So John Searle would be probably uh, uh, a, a major contemporary uh, philosopher in that regard. Before him, John Austin, who was uh, British. Uh, you can take it back to Wittgenstein. Uh, it's all about how, how we look at language, how we think about language, and it is a, a an approach to language that is, uh, rather than looking at language as being a truth-conditional sort of phenomenon, where you evaluate language in terms of whether it corresponds to reality. Obviously, that's part of it, but Speech act theory is the idea that is is that we we use language to do things, right? So one of Austin's books is uh, things we do with words, hmm. right? And and so it's it's an action view, right? And so and, and so it works really well for me and, and for other people in terms. Uh, it's sort of a wedge uh, for me anyway uh, to look at how we communicate and, and miscommunicate. So you, so you can specify. You know exactly what it is that somebody's trying to do when they uh, when they're using language. Hmm. Can you give examples of things people do with words? <laughs> <laughs> so they, add, they ask questions. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so um, no. So and and, and so there's there, there's layers here. Uh, what we're talking about is what's called the illocutionary layer. So so I mean just uh, so uh, request. Uh, uh, beg, criticize, uh, apologize, thank, assert. There's there's mm-hmm. there's books that that are are uh, compilations of speech acts, mm-hmm. right? And we're we're talking about verbs, uh, so speech act verbs. These are actions that a speaker is intending to have recognized, right? So um, when I criticize a student. Uh, I'm intending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in, <laughs> yeah, I'm, in, I'm intending for them to recognize my intention to criticize them, and I've successfully communicated if they recognize that intention. Mm-hmm. So it's called a reflexive intention. So speech acts are these discrete actions that 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 people perform with their with their utterances. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, there's many weaknesses, right? Uh, but it works well for for certain things, I think. Is the general gist of speech act theory, or at least the modern version of it, that anything we say falls into some speech act? Whatever we're saying is in the service of doing something. Yes, but I but I don't think that's true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, you many times communicate. We we talk just. I mean, it's like grooming. We're not we're not trying to do anything. We're just sort of, you know, getting to know somebody. I mean, I mean, and that can be a speech act in in, in a sense. 
But um, no, so it kind of breaks down. So no, it's not the I don't think it's the case hmm. that we're intending to perform a, a specific action with every hmm. utterance. So we, we don't speak with purpose always? Not always. Hmm. I mean, and, I mean, unless you look at a higher level. So I want to, I want to affiliate with this person. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, that, hmm. but that's a little different. That that's a higher level. Mm-hmm. Right. Sort that of thing. any of these speech acts could be in service. Could, of. Could, yes. Yeah. So yeah. you're asking questions. Oh, how's it going? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're right. You're, so you're doing those sorts of things. Um, and, and the, another weakness of speech act theory is that it's it's is totally uh utterance based mm. right but many times we perform speech acts over a sequence mm. right i mean think about a request right instead of um uh instead of inviting somebody you know uh have dinner with me you say are you free friday uh-huh. right <laughs> so it's sort of what's called a pre-request or a pre-invitation and if they say no then no request right mm. or if they say oh yeah i am okay so these are moves that, and so it happens over over a sequence of turns. And mm-hmm. but um, speech act theory generally doesn't deal with that. Other approaches do. But. It's so funny because you're as a newcomer to this. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. Okay. And as someone who studied it for a long time, you're quick to say it's not great. <laughs> 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 because I do think that that in that even in the sequence, it yeah. kind of seems like each of those utterances yeah. do have their own goal. Right? They do. Are you free? I'm soliciting information. Then I follow up. Would you like to have dinner? I'm making now a request. Um, And so, but but the original intent was a request. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I mean, you're absolutely right. But so there's speech acts that are you know sort of subsidiary speech acts to the main speech act, Mm -hmm. right? So I I have an example that I liked from your uh, book, which I started reading several pages of. Oh, cool. uh, (laughs) uh, Which was oh the difference between the subtle difference. Uh, in the letters, in the words, yeah. <laughs> but the big difference in speech act, which is the difference between I apologize right. and I apologized. Yeah, yeah. Where if I understand right, the idea is like those two sound like almost identical expressions, yeah. but the first is in the service of yeah. apologizing. Yeah. That <laughs> is a speech act, yeah. Uh, and the second is in the service of sort of describing yeah, some truth statements, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I'm just, just yeah. I'm giving you information. Yeah, um, exactly. And that I just thought really nicely makes that distinction right where you go we just sort of say words all the time i know and they don't always seem that different but they're serving different goals that's the notion no yeah that's interesting you found that yeah i'd forgotten about that yeah that that (laughs) (laughs) no that's exactly right yeah 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 and there i hereby apologize uh Mm. there's a in in, there's what's called a hereby test right so to identify a speech act verb you have to be able to say this breaks down a little bit, but I hereby, whatever it is, I hereby request, I hereby promise, I hereby apologize, and so on. Uh, it breaks down a little bit uh, for things like, well, we, maybe we can get into this later. I'm going to hold off on that. <laughs> well, hold on. I want to, now you got me curious. Well, I was going to start bringing up persuasion. Oh, sure. Right? So, because persuasion is inter- as an interesting speech act, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm intending to persuade somebody... Right. I mean, I can't say I hereby persuade you. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. That is, that just doesn't work. Um, I can still have the intention, and I can and I can say things with the intention of of trying to persuade somebody. Hmm. But interestingly, if they recognize my intention to persuade, hmm. that can backfire. Hmm. Right. I mean, that's when you get can't. I mean, and you're the persuasion guy, isn't that? Wouldn't that be the hmm. case? I mean, wouldn't it be more effective if I'm trying to persuade somebody? For them not to recognize my intention, right? Yeah, there's a, in communication, they have what they call the persuasion knowledge model, okay. which is exactly this, where like people have developed knowledge about how persuasion works. Yeah. And once they recognize that that's your intention, yeah. suddenly they go, I see what you're doing here. Yeah, exactly. You're trying to manipulate me. Yeah. I'm not simply getting information from you. Yeah. And, and so that's an interesting case because speech act theory seems like, or at least the extensions of it for understanding, yeah. are like the hope is that you do understand my intention exactly by by definition you have to for it Uh to be successful Hmm. but but persuasion is one case where Hmm. it doesn't work another case is brag Hmm. i hereby brag (laughs) (laughs) right i mean to successfully brag you don't want the person to recognize you're bragging Hmm. hence humble brag Mm -hmm. right so so and those are the two exceptions and they're interesting exceptions because they're studied by psychologists, a social psychologist. Um, I'm sure there's others, but those are kind of 
Yeah, to, where the desire is misunderstanding. Yeah, almost, right. Exactly. <laughs> you you want you want to basically hide the intention, mm -hmm. right? And it's not that you're trying to deceive or anything, but uh, well, I guess in some ways you are, but you're trying to hide your intention to accomplish something. So it sort of brings us to that notion of misunderstanding. It seems yeah. like, like kind of a major theme in what you've been doing, at least lately. Recently, that's, that's trying the, to figure yeah. out yeah. when does the when yeah. do these communication processes break down? Yeah, and yeah. this the speech act model make is kind of a useful framework to be. Like, that's oh, why. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I, I can tell. Yeah. I can identify what the intention was. Yeah, exactly. And then I can measure whether it was successful. Exactly right. Um, Makes it tractable. So in a study, like how do you actually catch understanding and misunderstanding? Yeah, so the framework, the framework we use, and we've used this in a lot of different ways now. With the speech acts, we've used it with emotions, we've used it with um, um, scribing uncertainty. But with speech acts, so we have one set of participants, and we'll give them a, a situation. Imagine your roommate um, uh, hasn't cleaned the apartment in... A long, long time, and it's a mess, right? Uh, and you want to criticize them, right? That's the intention, right? So what would you say? They write it out, right? Or you want to promise to do better, or you want to, whatever it is. And we typically work with 30 to 40 speech acts. So it's a one of the, I think, uh, best things about what I'm doing now is that it's very broad. Right? So we're trying to, it's, it's not just requests, it's a whole bunch of speech acts. Anyway, so they'll, they'll write out what they would say. And then we take those and uh, what they would say, and we show to another group, another, another participant. We say, what does this person mean? What are they doing? Right? Sometimes it'll be open ended, just give us a word. <laughs> Sometimes we'll give them multiple choice, right? And it's hard, right? But anyway, that's, that's, our, that's, that's the basic procedure. And so if they correctly identify, criticize, use my example, that's communication. If they do not, then it's miscommunication, okay? Uh, so that's the basic setup. We, 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 we've used, and, it, and it works really, really well. Uh, I mean, it's a little unrealistic mm -hmm. in a sense, but but it captures, I think, like the essence of what we care about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I could see being in that situation of being yeah. like, I really want to convey to you yeah. <laughs> that I don't approve of what you're doing. Exactly. And do you get the message <laughs> when yeah. I express myself the way? Exactly I Exactly right. To? That's exactly right. <laughs> and just to follow up on that, of course, one of the main findings we get is that though, so to criticize somebody is hard. Mm. It is, in our terms, face threatening. Mm -hmm. And those are, that's where we see the lower rates of, of communication, right? Whatever people are, however people are phrasing that, it's not being picked up by the other person, right? So, so can you describe face threat a little so bit? So face threat is, is, so face, this, is, this comes from Irving Goffman. Uh, he borrowed it from uh, Chinese writings, but it's the idea of the image that, that all of us have. Uh, Goffman's, in, in Ideas of face are that we mutually, people mutually attend to one another's face. And it's sort of a social contract, an interactional contract, right? So we're mutually involved. I mean, we obviously threaten one another's face, but we, we, we're, we sort of buy into this cooperativeness to, to maintain each other's face. And so anything, and then, then we get into um, uh, modern sociolinguistic theories of, of face, Go, go to Durkheim and make distinction between positive face and negative face. So negative face is, the, is basically autonomy. We don't want to be, we want to be free to do what we want. So if you, if you request, make a request of somebody, or even more threatening, demand somebody do something, that, that's, that's, that's face threatening, right? Uh, positive face is m more along the lines of, of image, right? Uh, so to criticize somebody is to threaten their their positive face, their image, right? Uh, and and so criticisms obviously threaten that, and consequently, people <laughs> are not direct mm -hmm. in their criticisms, right? Um, I mean, they can be, <laughs> right? 
they don't care about face. <laughs> if they don't care about face. Um, and, and some people don't, uh, but most of us do, right? And so consequently, what happens is that that message doesn't get communicated. And that, that's, that, so that's one of the main findings that comes out of that, comes out of that research. So I'm just going to reframe, just to make sure I get it. Uh, right. So it, it kind of seems like it's, this is a problem of competing goals, right? Like on exactly. the one hand, I exactly. have the goal to communicate yep. my criticism yep. of you. Yep. On the other hand, I have the goal not to insult your reputation exactly. or insult your uh, freedom to do what you please. That's exactly right. And so I sort of, it's almost like the problem is people try to actually do both at the same time, but they can't. <laughs> like something's got to give. Like I cannot both criticize you yeah. and make you feel like you're wonderful. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like those cannot happen at the same time. That's right. And so people sort of go, well, I'll fudge it and I'll sort of indirectly communicate yeah. this. Yeah. And maybe I succeed in helping you save face. Yeah but I haven't actually succeeded in communicating my criticism. That, yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. Mm. And, and there, there's variability. I mean, some people are good at, at conveying criticism in a, you know, base supportive manner. Mm. So it's, it's a skill. And I think, I think as instructors, that's one of the skills we, you know, strive mm. to develop <laughs> to varying degrees. Right. Uh, but you're right that you, 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 you described it perfectly. It is these sort of competing, goals that that we try to satisfy uh simultaneously and there and there's there's a parallel uh, and so so language many aspects of language there are there are multiple motivations for so one of the things just to shift a little bit same paradigm um but um actually pretty similar paradigm so if we're communicating um our beliefs about something that's uncertain. So it's communicating uncertainty, right? And, and so there, there's, there's all sorts of words. Uh, I call them uncertainty terms, but these are basically what uh, pragmatics people call scalar expressions of some, right? Um, but also probability terms. So, let, so other studies that we've done, uh, rather than having people perform specific speech acts, we ask them to convey uncertainty. Uh, and we manipulate, again, threat, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine, so your dad, you barred your dad's car, uh, <laughs> uh, something bad happened, so low threat would be it needs a new battery, and you got to tell your dad. Uh, high threat would be transmission. you got to tell your dad, right? So that's how we manipulate threat. And then, and then we ask them, so how would, and, and then we also give them probability, some sort of probability information, right? And then we ask them how they would, you know, how they express this. And so probability expressions, you know, they, they are used for expressing uncertainty. Something's likely, something's possible, so on and so forth. But those have a range of meaning, right? But they're also used in the service of face management. So again, you've got multiple motivations, right? But anyway, the, 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 the gist of, of, of the, the studies about uncertainty term is that so we do the same thing. We'll say so. How would you how would you say this? And then we take those utterances, give them to another group of subjects, and say, "What's the probability, right, that you know that this is that this is happening?" And interestingly, find that in more threatening situations, the probability estimates are actually less, right, because it's being it's being hedged in such a way that it's undermining. Um, the the communication of, of of the probability, but again, it's the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's it's multiple uses for certain types of words, right? So so in this case, the idea is like if my dad's car almost definitely needs a major overhaul. Yeah. When I come to tell him this, I may go, yeah, it seems like it's your car may need yeah. some work. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And he's going to come away thinking, oh, well, oh, yeah, not probably no big deal. <laughs> but I mean, but think of the implications of this for, for uh, I think of things like, uh, I used to think of, I use examples from Trump and before him ring, but think of Putin hmm. and his military advisors coming to him, mm -hmm. right? So communicating uncertainty about Ukraine, but also not wanting to upset this guy. And so they're going to be hedging 
their communications to him. So Putin's coming away. I mean, I have no idea what mm-hmm. Putin's <laughs> thinking, but I mean, in my scenario, uh-huh. he's coming away with with a, 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 an estimate of the probability of something happening that's lower than what these guys are actually trying to communicate. Mm. Right? Is the implication that like people in positions of power may generally have misunderstandings exactly. about a lot of this kind of thing. Absolutely. Because no, I mean, it's like an emperor's new clothes situation, right? Like yeah. people aren't willing to yeah. reveal bad news. Exactly. And so pe- you go around blindly thinking everything is great because you go, oh, people have mentioned maybe there's some problem somewhere, yeah, but like it right? doesn't seem like a big right? deal. Yeah. But no one's just willing to come out and say like, no, absolutely there is an issue. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And well, and so, and power is huge because power ties in directly to face. Right. Right. So we're, you know, so somebody who's high in power, we're much more concerned about managing their face than vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so communication is directed upward, more likely to suffer from um, that sort of uh, uh, use of language that obscures the real intention, right? Some of that also seems like not only your impression, but my impression of myself, right? Like, yeah. like if it's, I screwed up, yeah. uh, there's a lot of baggage there right. in me saying I screwed up. Oh, yeah. And so I downplay like, oh, it seems as though I may have inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're protecting, yes, you're protecting your own face, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, it's, there's mm-hmm. self-face, there's other face. Mm-hmm. Interesting cultural differences there, but, but yeah, so you are, that you're engaging in, in protecting your, your own face, so. So I wanted to ask about the emoji uh, wrinkle, which I think I first understood yeah. what you do in terms of like conveying understanding right. because you were sort of embarking on this new yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, research project yeah. on emoji. So what what is the idea there, right? Like in a world where our communication is now different, right? Like yeah. I can't type something in my phone without my phone being like, "Do you want a picture of a boat?" And I, I go, know. "No." no I <laughs> just want I just want to say the word boat. Yeah. Uh, so like what is it that these image Related expressions right. are doing so, to our ability to communicate, and so I, we got into that, or I got into it because emojis just baffle me. <laughs> I, I get, I get an emoji, and I, I have no idea what what's in. Anyway, so, but no, the the reason, um, so we look at emoji. Many, this is not our idea. This is other people have written about this. That emoji are basically substitutes for this, right? For all the nonverbal stuff that we have, right? So when you're when you're communicating digitally, you lose you lose all that. Right, so sarcasm gets missed, all that sort of stuff, and so emoji are in a sense a a, a way. Uh, so people talk about emoji as as, as communicating emotions, uh, which they do, and as helping disambiguate, uh, and that's what we focused on. And so again, face threat, right? Um, so we're looking at what are called indirect replies. Hmm. So you ask a question. This gets back to the relevance maxim. Um, so what did you think of my talk? Oh, it's hard to give a good talk. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so, uh, and most people will get, oh, doesn't have a very good opinion, right? Mm-hmm. And we've, we've demonstrated that many times. And, and um, but our interest was, okay, but when you're doing that face-to-face, you know, you've got facial expressions, all that tone, you got all that going on. We wanted to see is if, if emoji would serve that function digitally. Right, so people would read those sorts of question-reply sequences with or without emoji, and then we're looking at how quickly they're they're comprehending the intended indirect meaning. So mm. I don't like your talk so much, mm. and we we find very clearly that that um, uh, that it works, and I think we that that they that it does that it that it facilitates comprehension, recognition of that indirect meaning. And I think we found something even more interesting. I think we found. With, with even just the emoji alone, and I can't remember how we picked the emoji. Hmm. So, what do you think of my presentation? Emoji. <laughs> but I can't. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on the details right now. But I think it was um, that it was that. One of the things we're doing now is looking at emoji as performing speech acts, mm-hmm. and and so we're finding that that yeah, that that's the thing. So, how how could you use emoji to? So you get you've got to you. Get, so we ask people. Um, you know, imagine that you want to criticize bag, you know, set of speech acts, 30 speech acts, which, emo- and the problem with emoji is there's really a lack of consensus. You probably mm. know this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people, 
I mean, that's been, and even on fundamental dimensions like valence, hmm. you know, you'll, you'll get these wide disagree. Yeah, I think it's positive. No, I think it's negative. Hmm. So, so that's kind of interesting. Um, but anyway, we basically ask people, and we and then we choose the emoji that you know is most often nominated for that speech act, and then we'll create these scenarios and and put them in and and see if people recognize you know what speech act is being performed, and 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 they do, um, they do communicate. Uh, uh, sort of like speech acts. It, it would have seemed to me that emoji would not accomplish the job very well, <laughs> right? Like right. it seems like what you're saying is mostly that that people are able to use those. They are able to yeah. get the meaning. Yeah. Um, whereas it it might have seemed like that would be a cause for not conveying your intention, right? Like if my intention was to criticize your talk, yeah, right, right, and right. I send a winky face. <laughs> <laughs> I might be like, oh, this guy loved my talk. <laughs> uh-huh. Because there's, there isn't that consensus about right. what these mean. I know. That, that, that's, 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 yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Um, with, with one of the things we do that JJ and I and, and a couple of other students is we looked at cultural differences in using emoji to manage face. Hmm. And um, so, so not the specific intention, but just, you know, yeah, <laughs> I didn't like your talk. Smiley face, <laughs> and and what we predicted and found was that, and and this this goes back that that culturally people from collectivist cultures are more likely to manage face, more concerned, especially other face. But other, yeah, yeah. Got it. We're we're all about self face, yeah, right? <laughs> right? But they're about other face, and all of our I think all of our scenarios were giving negative opinions or mm. things to others, and and we found that 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 people from um, collectivist cultures were more likely to include emoji uh, than people from individualistic cultures, mm. but in the service of face management. Mm. Um, well, so, yeah. So uh, to pivot a little bit, in, in terms of like my own interests and some of the themes of the yeah. podcast, yeah. I, I kept thinking about the ways in which we express our opinions, right? So like, it almost seems like maybe an underlying theme behind many speech acts is like a core interest in conveying some attitude, right? Like to criticize is essentially to express negative opinion of what you did. Um, To thank is to express a positive attitude toward what you did in the same way that we're talking about, like, did you like my talk, right? Like I'm trying, how do I communicate this? And in some ways the face saving issue is there too. Like we don't want to express negative opinions. So another example of this is not only, an opinion of you, but an opinion of something you like. <laughs> yeah. This happens to me like yeah. if people like a TV show yeah. and I go, mm. if I'm on the spot, I don't like the show this person loves, right. but I don't feel comfortable saying, oh, what a horrible show. Right. <laughs> I, right. I right. really think it's terrible. Yeah. And so that's another way in which I go like, I, I need to somehow, <laughs> I can't lie to you about my opinion yeah. or maybe I do. Maybe that's the best yeah, way to yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, but oh, I, I'm trying still to, you know, that's a way in which the goal might differ. Like some people have too strong a goal to express their opinion. Yeah. And I go, I don't care. I'm going to tell you, I think it's, I think it's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> and others go like, I don't, that's not my goal. My goal is more this sort of, I, I care about more our relationship more than I do expressing my own opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. So objects that you're associated with, I mean, so face involves those things right i mean because symbolically they are right and so you don't criticize other people's likes and dislikes right Mm -hmm. positive face is about liking what other people like Mm -hmm. right so that's an yeah that's an interesting uh interesting extension in that in that way but there's but there's differences too though right i mean and, and i don't and i don't and i've struggled to try to identify them and there are times when i will you know and, and not in a mean way, but just you know, disagree about mm-hmm. about something like that. And I and I don't know why, you know, or with whom that happens. I've, I've, I've reflected on it, but can't come up with anything. Mm. But um, yeah, so I don't know. Do we know much about the language of agreement and disagreement? Like in terms of yeah. words are for doing, right, <laughs> right? Right. It's a way in which we can sort of debate and confront and conflict yeah. or yeah. affiliate and agree. Yeah. Um, do we know much about that? We do. I mean, a fair amount. And a lot of it comes from sociolinguistics. There's a strong, like all the stuff on face, there's a strong preference for agreement. Hmm. So, I, so I'll, I, I did a study this 
back when I was a postdoc, so this is mid-80s, and we wanted to see how people communicated face-to-face when they agreed and disagreed. So we, we, we recruited participants who were on opposite sides of abortion, <laughs> gun rights, right? And, we, and so we put them in a room <laughs> with a tape recorder. <laughs> and we would say, you guys disagree on this. Talk about it. <laughs> and we recorded them and just to see how do they do this. The pressure for agreement is so strong that even though we knew these people, <laughs> they said, I'm pro, I'm anti. You wouldn't know it from their conversations, hmm. right? It's like, oh yeah, yeah. I, and I can't. And this is so far, right. so so far back. I can't quite remember. Um, one of the, but one of the things that, that I mean, and, and then I'm overseeing the case. They mm-hmm. obviously disagreed sometimes, but even though they're doing that, they're simultaneously trying to manage face. So you get these these sequences. So somebody will say uh, something, and the other person will say yes. You know, so feigning, not feigning, but, but agreeing, but. In fact, I wrote an article called Yes, But, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because that's a typical way in which you mm-hmm. sort of acknowledge, yes, but, and you go on. And so that's just one example. There's other sort of linguistic tricks that you see when people are, and that was a long ago, that was, that was a long time ago. I, I, my, my sense of the way people disagree now mm. Well, what I wondered is, have the the goals for face saving changed in the domains we use to communicate, right? Like, it seems like online I know. is it, an arena where we go, I don't really know that you're a person, yeah. therefore I'm not actually that concerned about <laughs> respecting your autonomy and reputation. And so I feel fine being completely yeah, direct and right, saying, yeah. this is crazy and I'm correct. I know. Um, I... I, I uh, my my impression is that that's absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. That that concerns with face are definitely lessened in online environments, and I'm I'm pretty sure that people have looked at that in mm-hmm. some in various ways. I don't know exactly how, mm-hmm. but I, my hunch is that there's data uh, demonstrating that exact thing. But yeah, I think I think I think concerns with face are. Um, uh, diminished mm-hmm. in those contexts, and and I often think that. Even though we have this sort of prototype of online vitriol, <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you bring people into the world yeah. of dealing with other people, yeah. I kind of think you wouldn't see anything that much different than the study that you ran years yeah. ago, yeah. right? That like, yeah. I actually do care about other yeah. people yeah. when the environment reminds me yeah. that this is exactly. a goal that I have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I do think that there's a lot more hope <laughs> for... Uh, tolerant conversations mm. when we, you know, I guess this is an ethical question. Yeah. <laughs> Ought we <laughs> yeah. respect others' yeah. image? Um, or is it I mean, really... I think we have to. I mean, Goffman, Durkheim's, their argument is this, that's the glue that holds us mm-hmm. together. I mean, if you, if you lose that, then we're just savages. <laughs> <laughs> Which, have you been on the internet? That's yeah, I know. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> sounds about sounds about like how things are. I know. I know. I'm curious in that study though, when you said that you wouldn't know that they disagreed yeah. to some degree, is that like did you have people listen to the recordings and like oh, we coded it's coded yeah. and like yeah. how strongly yeah. do they disagree or something? Yeah. yeah. But that was like a small team of coders. Yeah. It would be interesting to do something like that where then you ship it off to a bunch of people. Yeah. And just say like, hey, listen to this. If you were to guess like what each person's attitude yeah. was. Yeah. I think what you're findings generally hint at is that people would be completely off, right? They, they, they would, yeah. They, they so if you had a gave them a scale, gave yeah, a seven point right. scale and, 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 and compared their ratings, their, their perceptions, right. On that seven point scale with the person's own ratings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'd be way, way off, mm-hmm. hugely off. Yeah. <laughs> but your coders were more looking at just like, to what degree are they disagreeing? Like, well, what was we, were, the we, we were, so I came up with a scheme to capture what I thought was the important ways in which they were managing face while they, while they disagreed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they, they were, they weren't really looking like the coders weren't really looking for that. They were looking for the things that I was telling them to look for in terms of linguistic strategies. Um, but it is true that some people <laughs> just basically agreed at this, mm-hmm. even though they were on opposite sides, but that was, that was relatively rare. Mm-hmm. That happened a couple of times, but pe- people are concerned, uh, I think. Hmm. Do you have advice for how to communicate better? <laughs> you spent many years looking at right. 
how we use words and whether those words carry the meaning we want them to. Yeah, I th- well, no, I, I mean, I know, I, I wish I did. Uh, <laughs> You've learned. But nothing. I think it, I, I think with practice is possible to simultaneously attend to multiple things. I think it's. I mean, I think there are ways to there, and because there are people who do this, there are people who sk- are skilled at at giving criticisms. Hmm. There are people who are who are skilled at, at persuading. There are people who are, who are skilled at asking things, making requests. Um, they're socially skilled. And I think what they're doing is they're, they're, they're simultaneously able to, you know, attend to face uh, and say things in a way. And I, I don't know what the magic formula is, right? I mean, I would love to know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but get their attention, their intentions across. Um, Sounds great. Yeah. We could figure that out. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, no. And that's really, yeah, I mean, that's really kind of... I, as I sort of end my career, I, I would I I I've got an eye on more applied. Mm. So how you know specific recommendations, mm. and so we'll see. And this is a work in progress. No no ideas. Not really. I mean, I mean specific ideas like yeah. how to how how to phrase. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I can give you some specific, but so I mean, take the obvious case of of directives of requests, mm. right? I want you to open that door. So, I mean, I could say, Andy, go open that door, mm-hmm. right? And you would get the meaning. Mm-hmm. And you think, what a jerk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and so, but let's say I'm, I'm the sort of person that's really into protecting face. And so I go, Andy, it's kind of warm in here. <laughs> so you go, yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and, right. And, and so you're not, you don't recognize my intent, mm-hmm. right? Um, and 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 so the, so the middle you look, so you search for some sort of middle ground, some sort of what uh, linguists call conventionalized means. So, Andy, could you open that door? Mm-hmm. So, I'm not commanding. I'm asking whether you have the ability mm-hmm. to open that door. But you clearly recognize, right, that that's what I'm that's what I'm after. So somewhere between, right? Find, find Some, those somewhere where between. You maximize. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 a lot of it is is it, in face to face. It's 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 tonal. It's not it's not all language, right? I mean, language is embedded within all this other stuff that we do. So it's you know, so it's paralinguistic. It's 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 nonverbal. And and there's ways to soften, right? Smile, right? Uh, to to soften threatening hmm. acts. Um, but it, it's, it, no, I, I don't have any clear answers because it, it remains something of a mystery. It remains a mystery to me how we're able to go from, to get from these words, the sequence mm-hmm. of words, right? To, to basically reading another person's mind, right? And it, I mean, that, that's fascinated me. It will continue to fascinate me. And, and that is, that is, that is a huge issue. I mean, that is, that is the fundamental problem for general ai they cannot mm. do that right there's lots of lots of specific, ai is amazing and and and, and tremendous strides have been made but that last leap from getting from these words mm-hmm. to inside somebody's head mm-hmm. nobody's cracked that yet yeah yeah my so maya is 15 months ish yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. That oh, we're talking. Okay. so, so she's one, right yeah. on the bubble and there's this yeah. like moment where it's so clear that She's trying to communicate, and she gets what we're saying, but it's not. Oh, yeah. It hasn't all locked in yet. No, no, no. So it's a super interesting time to be like, oh, yeah. "All right, like what? What do you get? Like when yeah. we say these yeah. things, is any of it like? Because it feels like language is all or nothing, right? Like I get it, right? This word carries meaning. I, I either know this word yeah. or I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's like that moment of figuring out how all of these rules work yeah. together. And I wanted to ask you about AI in the context of speech act theory. Yeah. Is there crossover there? Because it seems like that's an interesting opportunity for AI to develop modules that communicate. But AI, not just AI took a left turn about 20 years ago, uh-huh. and they went totally bottom up mm-hmm. because you've got mm-hmm. all this massive data now. Mm-hmm. And it's all, that's all it is now. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I don't, I'm not an expert on this, so I'm, I'm sure there are people that are working top-down as well. Uh, 
But the bottom-up stuff, I mean, you know how good they are. You know how good Siri is and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. They're pretty good. But they're not, they don't do what we're doing, mm -hmm. right? But, but it's so, I, there's not energy being put in approaching language that way, communication that way. I think there could be. And I don't know that speech hack theory would be the best way to go. Well, I so, only think of it in terms of like, I'm not trying just to get this machine to know the meaning of what I've said, but like the intention behind exactly, me having said exactly. it, right? Like right. in the same way, if I were to say, hey, Siri, would you consider <laughs> playing for me the last <laughs> song yeah. on this album? Right. This machine might go, what are you, what? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, no. Uh, yeah. Right, rather than that direct command, like play this play thing. This. Right. Um, or right. even like, uh, I mean, sure, we can criticize our home devices. <laughs> right. I'm trying to think of right. what, what kind of speech acts would be even relevant in, in a case like this. Um, but even if, I mean, I could imagine the desire to develop programs that themselves express things with intention, right? Like my goal is to request that you do something or to tell you to do something rather than inform right. you of something, uh, right? Like I can tell you it's going to rain today, but I might really be trying to say, bring an umbrella. Yeah, <laughs> with yeah, you. yeah. Exactly um, right. Exactly and right. so there you might go like, ultimately, it makes sense that you'd want to build in not only like expressing true things, right? Like it's not linguistics of 150 years ago, like you're saying, where it's right. all about just like, is this true or is right. this not true? Right. But it's, could we develop these programs to use these words to do things? Yeah. Um, and to understand that words are to do yeah. things. Yeah, no, it, it, really, it is intention recognition. And yeah, and we're not there. It, that is, that to me, that is the fundamental AI problem. And it's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll figure it out soon enough. <laughs> well, I wanted to say, I think we're, we're, we're good on time. But, okay. Uh, I just want to say thanks for taking the time to, to walk me through all this stuff. Yeah, I loved it. Thanks. Very fun. <laughs>that'll do it for this week thank you so much to my friend and colleague tom holtgraves for chatting about the work that he's done over his career to learn more about it you can head to the webpage for this episode to get links to some of the studies we talked about and his book language as social action for more about this podcast you can go to opinionsciencepodcast.com for past episodes transcripts and other good stuff subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts and hey tell a friend about the show and this is a direct request. I'm not beating around the bush to protect face, none of this. Uh, some people are saying it's nice to spread the word about podcasts they love. No, I'm commanding you. Yeah, no, no, that's unpleasant. <laughs> it's unpleasant to be that direct. Uh, on that note, you know, I'm wondering if you've thought about writing a review of Opinion Science online. I'm told that Apple Podcasts is a nice place to do that. All right, that's all for this week. I'll see you back here in a couple weeks for more opinion science. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, you. <laughs> Why are we doing this while you're sucking on a tomato? <laughs> okay, say bye bye. Bye.